developing. So there's an office building that I'm currently converting to 26 offices. Uh, that's in Wolverhampton. And then we've got two um, almost, I'd call them like mini get, mini hotels, but they're all mini apartments within the building. And to buy those two apartment blocks, it's cost me two grand each. What? what? To buy two apartment blocks cost you £2,000 each? Yeah. Welcome back, guys, to Founder Stories. Uh, we are here for episode three, and I'm so excited to welcome Ash Alahi. We've known each other for a long, long time. Indeed. Although we haven't always been in touch in between, but I think, I guess a good place to start is when and how we met. I, rem- I remember yeah. where we met. Okay. Really? Bournemouth. That's true, actually. I came down for Ed's birthday. Yeah. It might have actually been my birthday, but we came down to Bournemouth. Yeah. And that's where I met you guys. And you were a DJ at that time. I'm not sure if you're still DJing. No, I'd I'd love to. And we'll talk talk about it. The passion of music is still there, but uh, just with kids, family life, business life. Yeah. It really can't, it doesn't suit my lifestyle anymore coming in at three, four o'clock in the morning (laughs) and then trying to be up to to try and maintain the kids and stuff it it, it i had it broke it kind of broke so yeah so maybe listening to house music is a passion now as opposed yeah. to i still DJing. i still go to ibiza but yeah no okay not we can DJ. talk about that <laughs> um so before we get into it for those of our listeners or viewers that don't know who you are i'll let you introduce yourself okay Always a difficult question when someone asks me. I so know, because you do a lot of different things. Yeah, and, and more, more importantly, I'm not one of these people that goes out and shouts about it. So uh, if someone was to say, who is Arshilahi? I kind of try and say that I'm a, just a easy, happy-go-lucky chappy. Uh, and I, I do a bit in property. When I say I do a bit in property, I've been involved in it 22 years now. Yeah. 22 years. So straight out Time of flies, coming out yeah. of university, yeah. And I got involved in property because that's what my parents originally had an interest in. Yeah. It wasn't really something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but as it's evolved, I decided to move with the times and we've moved from property to almost like building to tech. Uh, we've gone into prop tech. Okay. Uh, so we've got quite a few fingers in pies in prop tech. And so it's evolved, but we're all, everything that we do is all surrounding property. So Okay. So you do... You have your own property portfolio. Yeah, so we've got a property portfolio. Uh, we've got a property platform. We've got two property platforms, completely different spectrums. Yeah, uh, we've got payment gateway, um, yeah. to, which is almost like a mini bank. It's not the Bank of Dave, Bank of Osh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but um, and then as well as that, I'm I'm involved with uh, a mini service business so we've got some service service accommodation which is holiday lets so we've got okay. some places down in Cornwall yeah got some places complete spectrums Cornwall Blackpool yeah, yeah. uh what's and then the opportunity financial exactly and that's right? and yeah it's just a case of what's come across and everything in between so I kind of look at everything from a point of view is will it make money how yeah. sustainable is it more importantly you know um how's it going to impact us yeah and then we run with it and you now, I guess you didn't do this at the start, but you've gotten to the point where you help people who have capital. So say business owners yeah, yeah. are the audience of this podcast. If business owners want to diversify their income streams and they've got capital to invest, you have a business that helps people yeah, understand so we've where got, the deals are as we've well. We've got right? pretty much like a mini consultancy business. Uh, and then off the back of that, we always have chats with 
other investors, other business owners, and they say, yeah. Osh, we've got some pots of cash here, or we yeah. don't know what to do, or we're not sure, is this the right thing to buy? Yeah. And as a result of that, we then kind of uh, direct them the best way we think how. Yeah. And that's so interesting for me because right now I don't do any, I tell my clients to do it, but yeah. you don't take your own advice. So all of my money is in my business or it's saved personally for a move that I want to make from here. Well, we talked just before the starters about diversity. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be good because I know we've got lots of common interests. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cars, watches, and yeah. yeah, whether they're assets or liabilities, you can tell me that. Depends um, on the car, but watches, I think, are all going up in value right now. So. Yeah, that, some of them are taking a dip. Yeah, some of them oh, really? taken, yeah, yeah, some of them okay. taken taken a fifteen percent dip over the last year. Okay, you know more than me, but I think the the point of not just having one income stream because you never know what's going to happen. Property over the long term is always a safe bet. Yeah. yeah. It's something that you can touch and feel. It's not yeah. something like crypto or um, I know lots of people that made lots of money out of crypto. Yeah. Also know lots of people that lost a lot of money. Yeah. Whereas property, it is something that's physical, something you can go touch and feel. Yeah. And you can kind of forecast where it's going to be. Yeah. Based on historic trends. Ex- exactly. So a good bit of advice for listeners would be if your income is only coming through the business and you are generating an excess in terms of what you need to spend versus what your income in the business is, then take some of that and and create assets that will generate an income now or in the future. And one of them could be property, but really they should have a whole investment portfolio. We call it asset allocation, some high risk, some medium risk, some low risk. And that's what I love about property is that you can actually have some low risk. Okay. You can yeah. actually have so within property, like a commercial got, property on a long term. Yeah, lease, that or kind of thing. within property, you've got lots of different strategies. So you've got your vanilla buy to yeah. let. Yeah. Then you've got some a little bit more aggressive strategies like multi let. So like your uh, blocks of apartments or multi occupant multi occupancy like a HMO where yeah. you've got lots of people living in the same property. Yeah. So that's kind of de-risking it because. Instead of having one income, you've got five or six people. So if one tenant leaves, your income still yeah, exactly. Much there. And then if you're if you're wanting to start to progress a little bit further, we see the natural trend that people always start with a buy to let, then they start going to a HMO, then off the back of that, they then start thinking about doing some mini conversions. Yeah, where they buy, do up, and either sell or keep and rent and refinance. Yeah, and then they then start thinking, well, in actual fact, that went well. Let's start looking at pieces of land. They buy a piece of land and then they start buying one house, uh, they build one house. Oh, that went well. Yeah. And that's a natural progression as a property investor. Yeah. And I think everyone, I don't know any of my clients who are business owners that wouldn't want to get into property. It's just having that partner that they can trust, who can give them the advice or find the deals and kind of facilitate that. Okay. Well, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. You know, what (laughs) (laughs) what I wanted to know was, well, I think that, well, so far we're only on episode three, but I have a feeling that there's going to be commonalities over all entrepreneurs and why they got started. And one of the factors is you didn't really like being told what to do when you were younger and you wanted to do your own thing. What What's the reason why you didn't just go into a corporate job? I know you had a good education. You're an intelligent person. Um, so the logical progression of someone who goes and gets qualifications would be to go and work for someone else. What was the, how did you get started in property? I knew, if I'm honest, I kind of knew when I was at university that I didn't think corporate life was going to be for me. Um, so whilst I was at university, I also worked at, yeah, I did some retail. So I worked at like House of Fraser. Yeah. Not sure if they're still going, but House of Fraser. And even working there and having someone, you know, the line manager, 
yeah. come back and tell me, oh, well, you've got to finger space this thing or you've got to put that. I thought, you know what? I'm not sure if I can deal with this. I'm yeah. not, I don't think I'm a good person to deal with authority. I think I'm a good person <laughs> in general, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, that authority figure, I just yeah. can't deal with it. And so, uh, and then yeah, you want to be the master of your own destiny. Yeah. Own and then, so we talked briefly uh, previously about control. Yeah. And if I, if I feel like someone's trying to control me, I will instantly try and pull back. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I try and pull back. Uh, but then saying that, um, we've both got children. Yeah. We've both kind of analyzed our kids. Now I, you know, I, and then when I read up on some of the stuff, perhaps we were both on the spectrum. Yeah. Of ADHD, because yeah. that is a big part of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think there's definitely something that comes from, from childhood, even with Kieran, my wife, if I feel like she's trying to control me, I'll push her away yeah. even now. Yeah. So there's this thing of, of, wanting to be in control wherever that comes from whether it's do you think that's because my father was an entrepreneur and then didn't want that for me pushed me into a corporate life and i went to kpmg your dad was an entrepreneur right he got started in in property yeah do you think observing them on a subconscious level puts that into you in some way of course it does um so many so many different levels so it could be that yeah we've seen what they are and let's face it we both got an Asian background. Yeah. And this so perhaps we're tight with money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not as tight with it probably as <laughs> you. Uh, but, um, oh, I'm an half Indian, but half, still yeah, but Asian. It's, accountant. So yeah, dub, yeah, accountant. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've definitely hit the stereotype. <laughs> uh, but I just, I, perhaps there's that bit of control, perhaps that old Asian Indian man or Asian man still instilled in us. My yep. wife says that to me. She goes, sometimes it's like talking to an old Asian man. <laughs> and then, yeah, I get it. I'll take it with a bit of jest. But part of it is that. Yep. And we've been we've grown up around parents that have, you know, if we look at today's society, I'm going not slightly off track, but we're too easy to throw things away. Yeah. And lots of it is marriages. Yeah. And so uh, whereas the old school were very no, we're married, we're staying married. Yeah. We're here, we're here for the long term. Whereas, yep. you know. In today's society, something happens, you know, let's just get divorced. Yeah, or it gets difficult. And it's the it same gets- thing in business. Business for me is about small incremental patient progress. And you will definitely have times as an entrepreneur where it gets so difficult, you think, do you know what? I, I really can't be asked with this. I was there last year. Yeah. I genuinely was there last year. Last year, um, we'll talk. It was a it was a busy year. It was a yeah. really busy year, but we have to, uh, there's two types of busy, and I felt like last year I was a busy fool. Yeah. Uh, we were doing yeah. lots. And you're 20 years into being an yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, so, so, yeah. It's so not like after year five, you never have a no, hard year, right? No, 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 no. There's, um, there's always challenges. And yeah. if you're not getting challenges, perhaps you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And how did you uh, recognize that you were a busy Full I just, I kept looking and thinking, well, we, we've got lots of KPIs that we can look at. So key performance indicators, we can have a look at the number of properties that we were looking at, the number yeah. of offers that we're putting in, the number of offers that we're making, the number of offers that got accepted, yeah. uh, you know, how many projects we were doing. Uh, we can look at our occupancy rate. We can look at our cash flow levels. Yeah. So I was looking at it and think, well, hang on, we've done this and we've done that. But that hasn't materialized. So that's pretty much like three quarters of the year gone. Yeah. I was really strict on myself. And I'm my worst, I'm my own worst critic. And my wife says to me, she goes, sometimes you just go into self destruction mode. Mm. 
And like you said, when someone's trying to say something, I push back as well and I move myself. So my wife keeps saying to me, Ash, oh, you're getting distant, come back in. And she keeps going, roll you back in. And yeah. that's that's good for that's good for me because I need that. Yeah, Otherwise, for sure. we're as entrepreneurs, I find that we're we have this mental battle in our own mind. Yeah. And once we start thinking about something, it goes off on a tangent. Yeah. And perhaps this is just me. No, no, no perhaps someone that's well, watching this sure. thinking, you know, oh, she's a, oh, she's a lunatic. Yeah. But no, but no, I no, find- no. I mean, if I think if you're a true entrepreneur and you're in it and you've been doing it for a while, yeah, everyone's going to associate with that. For sure. Yeah. So it's just, I find that once I and I have to keep trying. To, sometimes there is a dark alley. Yeah. And if you go down that dark alley, it takes a long time to come back out of the dark yeah. alley. So having good people around you is what you need, right? To pull yeah. you out and also remind you of what's really important. Do you do any practices now that help you? Like, for example, I know if I get up and walk the dog in the morning, get sun in my eyes. I recently discovered Andrew Huberman, the podcast, talking about not having coffee for the first two hours, doing a gratitude journal, just certain little practices that help me if I'm grateful for these big things. You know, okay, a good example is we live in this house. Yeah. It's a beautiful house, as you can see. And last year, I spent most of the year just thinking about we need to move. Yeah. Because I need a podcast studio. I need an outside office. I need, I need, I'm at that point now where I need people to know that I've got an estate. Yeah. And that will mean something. And then for whatever reason, I realized I have to be grateful for what I've got. I'm living in private development in a multi-million yeah. pound house. And I'm not even grateful for it. I'm just looking at the next thing. Problem that we've got, and I think everyone will agree that hopefully listens to this podcast is that we're on as as much as we say, and I'm sometimes better when I talk. We're on we're on this rat race, yeah. And everyone's perception of success is completely different. So, for argument's sake, when I when I started property, I I kept thinking, you know, what success, what what does success mean to me? I can do what I want when I want, how and who want with who yeah, I, I want. Love that phrase, yeah. And then we also then started thinking, uh, okay, and then we get the nice cars, we get the houses, etc. But along with that, we then start to think about further things. So the further the journey we go. The the more that we the more that we want yeah and my, believe it or not my wife is really good at this because she goes oh she goes how much more do you want yeah and if I was to be honest everyone wants like the super flashy stuff but she goes you don't need it no she goes concentrate on what you got now and go realistic on what your point is is yeah. that Concentrate on what you got. Look at your kids. You you can wake up in a nice, clean, safe house, yeah. safe environment. You've got two children. Let's concentrate on them. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise the risk is, especially with kids, and I had some therapy a couple of years back where the therapist said to me, you know, you're go, go, go all the time and you are achieving, but you've got this constant thing of you're the provider for your family and you're breaking your own back daily thinking you're not good enough for them actually look at everything you've done for them and all the kids want is time. Yeah. And you could go 10 years and they're 16 and turning around and going, you never came to my football match or you never did this or you never did that. That was a shift for me, knowing that all they want is time. And also last year we went on six holidays, I think. 
because a lot of them were pushed forward from COVID, right? Yeah. It's not like we go on six holidays every year, but we went to Dubai and that was a really extravagant holiday. And we met some footballers and did this and that, went to some top restaurants. And we also went to Mallorca, did a basic football camp, stayed in a four-star hotel, yeah. which I know for a lot of people is is their five-star. But for me, that's like, it was a it was a budget holiday. It didn't cost that much. And when I asked my kids, both of them said straight away, their favorite holiday was, was that Mallorca, Mallorca holiday. Yeah. Because of the fun, the times, the family, the environment. So they don't care about materials. So Sam, my kids, are, so we've got a house down in Cornwall. Uh, and we go to Dubai quite a lot. Um, and if I say, which one did you enjoy? We'll always say Cornwall. Yeah. We'll always say Cornwall is because we've got the beach. We've got, you know, we've got the beach. They so can just surf whenever they want. Yeah. And it's, yeah, but we take it for granted that they need X. But the reality is they don't. And, you know, let's look at another analogy. Lots of people talk about on Christmas Day. Yeah. Everyone gets these great gifts. But the kids, what they actually want is the box. Yeah, they don't want. They don't want the toy. They yeah. actually don't want the toy. To spend more time playing around with the box than they do the toy. Yeah, um, yeah. because let's face it, it's the packaging that sold the sold yeah. the toy. And one of my questions was like, "What have you changed?" Which is a nice link in your routine now. Well, what did you change when you got married? Oh man, versus just, how I, you were working as an entrepreneur before you got married. So. Like, what did your routine look like before you got married? I'll be, I'll be honest, life now is a lot easier than when, when, I, when I actually got married because part of my journey, hope you don't mind me mentioning this, I, I've actually wrote a book called Boom, Bust and Back Again. Oh, yeah, I saw so, that actually. Yeah, as so part that- of my journey, I nearly went bust. I okay. was in, back in 2007, 2008. Yeah. I was fighting by the skin of my teeth to hold everything together. Yeah. So it's not always been an easy journey. And, Rule number one is that if someone turns to you and says, "Oh, I've had a fantastic property or business career, nothing's ever gone wrong." Yeah, I've just got to say, you know what? It's not been tough enough. Yeah, it's not or, been tough or enough. It's not true. Yeah, yeah. it's not true. I was, there's a point in my life where haircuts was a luxury. Yeah, really? and this was from going from being a property. Um, Let's call it a property mogul, if you want, or property entrepreneur. Well, everyone who's in property knows who you are. Right? Yeah, so, so. so starting two year 2000, then 2007, we got caught up in the hype in the market, Yeah, got caught up in the prices we were building. So we went through the natural progression, buy, refurb, and then buy. And then we were building like 200 apartments yeah. at one point. Wow. Uh, and then 2007, 2008, financial crash came, boof. Uh, and we were now losing money. We were losing money, you know, to the point of for every apartment we were building, we were yeah. losing around 15%. Wow. So if we were building, so the average for those that are not in property yet, uh, average pro- profit margin within a development is circa 20 to 25%. 25% is probably the premium. Uh, and in there, Come 2007, when the banks were shutting down and the credit lines were all shutting down, we were getting 100% credit funding. Mm. Banks were giving us 110% credit funding at some point. So we weren't putting any money into buy yeah. the land. We yeah. weren't putting in any money to build it. Yeah. It's actually, you know what, Ash, here's another check. Here's another check. And they were just throwing money at us, left, right, center. You know, you've got to think, 25 years old. Yeah. It was, yeah, okay. It, you know, yeah, the, 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 the wave. Yeah, we were riding. We were riding the wave. Yeah, and I was in a development company with me and two other brothers. And 2007, 2008 come. 
We had all these sites, so we had multiple sites. We had a site in Wolverhampton, we had a site in Kidderminster, we had a site in Brood, we had a site in uh, over towards, um, or it's just before Worcester, Bromsgrove. Yeah. Uh, and so we had sites and we all had, we had lots of people, our project managers there, we had project managers there. We had a, a team of 40 people in the office. Our overheads were here. And, you know, with developments, really, you only get paid once it actually sold. Yeah. And so now, let's just imagine that our profit margin is 20, 25%. They were actually being downvalued by 30, 35%. Wow. Yeah. And they're fully leveraged. Yeah. And they're fully leveraged. And then the bank came to us and then they said, what are you going to do, guys? Yeah. Uh, so I had to, by that point, my two brothers back then, they were fully leveraged out. So they had to, that had to come out of the business. And they said to, they turned around to me and said, oh, you know what? There's going to be sort of tough questions. And the bank, so especially people like Lloyds, Yorkshire, Allied Irish, we had RBS, we had all of them on our back. And it was really tough conversations to the point of thinking, we're going to lose it all here. It's yeah. all gone. Yeah. And not only that, in there was my father's portfolio, which yeah. had been leveraged against. Yeah. So all the stuff that he'd been working for for the last whole life. Four, yeah, yeah. was on the brink of me thinking, what the hell are we going to do? You must have been under so much pressure at that time. I mean, Sleep there's well. no routine then, is it? It's no, just no. get up, and so, work, right through to when you crash yeah, out. Literally, and then, literally, and then sleep was non-existent because every yeah. sleep was almost like a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and then I had my pa you know, parents thinking, oh, what's going to happen? They kept saying, you know, all this stuff we worked for for 34 years, we gave it to you guys in good faith. Yeah. And you've kind of pissed it up all in the, within five years. Yeah. And so I had to go back and I had to make some really difficult decisions. I had to say to the two brothers that had created the development company, gosh, you can't be in it. Yeah. I had to cut them out instantly. Mm. And so then I had to leverage all the debt and whereas people in property, everyone talks about interest-selling mortgages. Yeah. I said, to, I said to myself, I said, from here on, I never want to be in that position. Never, ever want to be in that position where we're completely over-leveraged. We're leveraged 115, 120%. Which you see a lot in advisors that run these courses for people on property investment. They're advising them, in my opinion, to take quite a lot of risk and get fully leveraged. Yeah. So if people come to you for advice based on what you've been through, Presumably, you're not going to be advising them to put themselves no, in a position. No, and unfortunately, unfortunately what kind of everything else they've got? Yeah, and this is what kind of puts me aside to everyone else is that I'm not here to tell you that you're going to make pro you're not going to become a property millionaire within five minutes. Mm. I'm here saying that you know you've got to learn to run the marathon. Yeah, be prepared for a few short sprints. Yeah, but run for the marathon, or if you want, run for the Ironman. I'm an Ironman. Yeah, uh, so. Prepare. How, how did you get out of that? How did you reverse out? So I had to structure all the debt now. So I took all the debt on personally. Okay. In my own personal name. And yeah. we structured it over from 2007 up until, and they said, oh, shit. He goes, we're going to have to structure this debt over 40 years. Yeah. And I thought, flipping heck. I said, I've got now this noose around my neck yeah. until I'm 65, 67. Yeah. I said, no. I said, Got to restructure something. And I came up with a date. I came up with a date of 11th of 11th, 25. Yeah. 11th of November, 2025. And I said to him, 23.59. The time. Yeah. I said, let's structure everything. 
for the 11th of November, 2025, but 11.59pm. They looked at me and they thought, this guy's flipping crazy. Yeah. We're structuring a debt level over 40 years to make it manageable so he's got some cash flow. Yeah. He's cut that debt, le- he's cut that time frame in half. Yeah. Or even, you know, a lot further than half. Because what's he doing? So I said, no, we'll stick to that date. Why was I so specific on the 11th of November? You'll know this date because I think we've shared the same birthday. Yeah, what, 24 hours different, yeah. I'm the 12th, you're the 11th. Oh, no, I'm the 12th. Oh, are you? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we okay, shared the same so birthday. Just before your birthday, yeah, so yeah. So on the 12th of November, 2025, I turned 45. Yeah. And 11.59pm on the 11th, I want to wake up on my 45th birthday. Completely debt free. Wow. Yeah. So I've gone from taking multi million pounds worth of debt mm. into now a completely debt free, completely leverage free portfolio. And I've structured all my debt in all my businesses to that time frame. So the strategies that you implement now have enabled you to go from significant debt. On so we, we went from almost like 120, 125% leverage. Yeah. Now, as we speak, as we record this, yeah. I think we're 4%. Wow. That's incredible. But I had to make changes. Yeah. I had to make some changes. In the to, way that you structure yeah. deals. and Structure deals, the way I had to make sure that, you know, single lets were no longer a thing. Yeah. Because single lets are not going to dig me out of that hole. Yeah. I had to then start thinking multi-lets. I had to start thinking larger, larger multi-lets. How we structure these deals, deals where, where, yeah. you, where you minimize the risk but maximize yeah. the, mar- the profit margin. But everything, everything but the banks, to be fair, even then they didn't believe me. They thought, they thought, that's absolutely crazy when I structured that deal. Yeah. And the guys said, oh, she goes, I just don't know how you're going to be able to afford it. I said, well, let's have a look. I said, we've got a portfolio, it's yeah. bringing in cash flow. So let's not take that away because yeah. that, ultimately that wasn't mine. That was yeah. my mom and dad's. And I've got other siblings, so that would have been in trust for them. Yeah. So I just said, let's not touch that. Let's utilize that cash flow to service some of the debt. Yeah. On top of that, we've got other strategies. So I started trading. Yeah. So I had to go back to only fools and horses time. I had yeah. to literally go and start trading, I had to go and find stock, yeah. and I had to start selling it. And this is what took me to my next business. So we, is, we, that, is that what you're describing there? Is that one of the things that when I came to your office before you showed me, so you could go on Rightmove, for example, and within 10 to 15 minutes, you could find a good potential yeah. property that you know you could buy, either change into multi-conversion or renovate and, and the rental yield or the resale would create you an instant profit. So we ran two or three different lines together. So we ran through two or three different businesses together. So I run a three strategy approach, uh, approach or prong. Can I buy it? Can I sell it? Can I rent it? Okay. They're my three strategies. So yeah. I'll call them the three pillars for, for what I do. Yeah. So when I looked at the property, can I buy it for myself? What kind of income is it going to generate? How is that going to perform in my current portfolio? Yeah. If I can't buy it because it doesn't sit for me, yeah. my next strategy is, can I potentially, if it doesn't meet my requirements, can I sell it onto another investor? That opportunity. And yeah. then, yeah. And so okay. this then becomes almost like a deal that we've packaged and we've sold onto another investor. Yeah. Now, I didn't know at the time, but this now springboarded us onto another, to what we've got now, PropTech. Yeah. And then on so part of that- this is your app that you've yeah, developed, so, right? Yeah, so I developed an app. So 
uh, for talk, talk, if I talk, talk about, about this, that, yeah. so how it worked was that let's just imagine that. What's the name of the app? So the name of the app, believe it or not, it's quite simple. Property Investor. And can you go on the App Store? So can you I can go, go to the, the you can go to the App that. Store. So you can go to the App Store. You can type in Property Investor and okay. you can download the app. So um, going back to 2007, I had to think of different cash flow strategies. Can I buy it? Can I sell it? Can I rent it? So yep. we're still looking at buying because banks would still lend money if the deal was right. Yeah. Uh, then if it didn't meet my criteria, I kept saying, we're not going to waste any time because I want to monetize every lead. Yeah. So we then started to sell deals. But back then in 2007, the internet wasn't a great place. Yeah. It still wasn't as, as fluid as it, as it is now. And it's trustworthy. I yeah, guess, people exactly. To, to so we had to do things manually. Yeah. Going back to the point of like text messages. So I would see a deal and then potentially... I would text a few investors that I knew, yeah. oh, I've got this deal, are you of interest? Yeah. And then they would pay me a fee for that deal. So that's yeah. what's called deal sourcing or yeah. deal packaging. So if it was worth a hundred grand, I'd go and negotiate a slightly discount, a discount on it, try and yeah. get it for circa 80. Yeah. They would pay me a five grand fee for that. Yeah. So now I started building up a small short-term cash flow business. Yeah. So I then started to go to the bank and say, guys, I've got a small cash flow business here. And we started getting that to a decent level. We're doing like 30 a month. Yeah. But that's based on your expertise in identifying deals. It was, yeah. So we were, uh, at that point, we were buying, we started to buy some stuff again. We started to then trade stuff again. I've never, ever gone, well, when I say never, ever, I've done since 2007, I can count perhaps on one hand how many developments I've done. Okay. It scarred me for life. Yeah. The big ones. Yeah, it scarred me for life. When I say that, I'm, I'm doing some conversions now, but yeah. they're not from the ground up. Yeah. Just, we've done a couple so of houses. The risk of a large development is the economic market changes, the valuation of the property changes. You're too highly leveraged. Yeah. You can't move the property on when it's fit. Like, for example, this property that we sit in is, is five houses yeah. behind a private road on the most desirable road in Solihull. However, as I told you, these were built four years ago, and three of these houses are rented because they weren't able to be sold. And this is a scenario. If you're sat on a development there, you've got your five. Yeah. Now, one and two have been sold. Yeah. Now, number three possibly may have been sold, but then fell through. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, that developer goes from them make, going from a money-making developer yeah. to becoming a motivated seller. Yeah. And I didn't get into property to become a motivated seller. Okay. I buy from motivated sellers. Yeah. I shouldn't be selling as a motivated seller. Yeah. And I saw that as a shift in our development company because yeah. let's just imagine okay. you're building 20 apartments. Yeah. When you release 20 apartments, which are the ones that sell first? The best ones, the ones that got the best yeah. view, yeah, the yeah, best yeah. layout, the yeah. best spec. What are you left with at the end of the development? You're left with the crap that no one wants. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, they're my problem. Yeah, because then, the risk. yeah, and then not only that, if someone comes along, let's just say we've got it marketed for a hundred grand, uh, then all of a sudden now we're thrown in carpets, we're thrown in tiling, we're thrown in this, that, and the other. And what's all this doing? It's chipping away at our margin. So, so, can you do a development? I mean, I know someone who runs an accountancy firm is a good friend of mine in Australia who makes more money from his property investment each year, double actually, than he does from his accountancy firm. And what he told me he was doing is almost finding the deal, finding the land. He'll go and find the cash investors. Yeah. 
They'll take it through to completion of the development, but yeah. someone else will buy it on at that point. Yeah. Who's an experienced retail seller? Yeah. And will sell the individual. There's apartments. so many in property. There's so many ways of making money. So I've got lots of property friends that have built 20, 30, 40, 50 million pounds worth of property portfolios without putting a single penny in. Really? It sounds crazy. Yeah. But if they, what they've done, they've identified the land. Yeah. They've then gone off to private investors. Okay. And got all the funds in. Yeah. So they've got the bank to leverage as much as they can leverage. So let's say up to 75%. Yeah. They've bought in another private investor to put in the 25% capital yep. investment. So they've built it. They've increased the value. Yep. They've refinanced. They've managed to get all the money back out. They've yep. paid the investor back. They've now got an asset which owes them nothing. Yeah. And in some of your courses, because I know one part of your business, I'm not sure if you're still doing that, was to run group-based courses for people to educate them in property yeah. investment. Do you still do that? Yeah, yeah, we still do that. So we've got a training program called the Elite Property Tribe. And so some of those, is that a community? It's so a, yeah, I've created almost like a mini community. Like training. a mastermind yeah. type thing. And in those, the kind of strategies that you're talking about, which you must have so many of because you've been in the game so long, do you teach those? We teach, we teach all that. So yeah. I teach, so um, at the moment we're currently developing so there's an office building that i'm currently converting to 26 offices uh that's in wolverhampton and then we've got two um almost i'd call them like mini get mini hotels but they're all mini apartments within the building and to buy those two apartment blocks it's cost me two grand each what what to buy two apartment blocks cost you two thousand pounds each yeah and so, and if you know, so and the, this do you is, keep that strategy secret? Or no, do you no, it's not. That no, it's not. I teach this. So basically, uh, it's quite a commercial strategy. So pretty much, okay. it's like a. I'm getting excited. Yeah. Now. So th these are things called lease options. So for yeah. argument's sake, you can go to an owner; they own the asset. Yeah. Uh, and then what you do, you go and agree a price that you want to pay for the building. Yeah. But that price that you agree is the price that you pay. Uh, so you agree on today's price. Yeah. But you may not then complete on the transaction for a period of time. So for for up to five, seven, ten, even twenty five years. So you can get your development done, get your sales made, and then yeah. complete on the exactly. I didn't even know that was possible. So, yeah, there's lots. So uh, okay. the office block. I'll, I'll I'll share this with you. Well, I'll be sharing it with the world in a second. But I bought this office block uh, in Wolverhampton. So yes, I've put a fair deposit down on that. I've, I've had to put 100 grand down on that, yeah. which is okay. But the reality is that that 100 grand is nowhere near as much as then if I had to buy the building yeah. because uh, the building's worth, well, at that point was worth 600. Yeah. So in order for me to buy that traditionally, I would need to put, because it's commercial, approximately 40% deposit. Okay. Um, 6, 12, 18, 24, uh, 240. And then you've got your stamp duty, then you've got your legal costs. So I would have needed approximately three, 350,000 just to buy the building. Yeah, capital, which most people yeah. don't have because it's either tied up in so their business. Or I, I went to the owner and said, guys, you know, I'll give you 100 grand now, yeah. but I'm not completing this transaction for five years. Okay. They said, okay, but I'm now going to take control of the building. I'll yeah. take over your mortgage payments. So I'll pay your mortgage, yeah. but I'm going to collect all the rent. Okay. Now, what I've done with that building is that that building was currently generating around 50 grand. I've now got that generating nearly 98,000. Wow. By going in, doing some cosmetic works to it. We've not done any yeah. major works to it. 
uplifting the rents. Yeah. Making some enemies with some of the tenants by uplifting the rents. Yeah. Uh, but off the back of that now. But I've they had probably that. hadn't had their rent up to where it should be for a absolutely, long time. Because absolutely. Because the, the landlord had just not. We've had a couple of people them. leave and I said, you know what, that's fine. Yeah. And don't get too sentimental about it. Yeah. As long as we've got enough income coming in to cover the, uh, the landlord's payment or the owner's, the previous owner's payment. Yeah. We've now got it generating. We'll, we'll be within the region of ninety to ninety-eight thousand pounds a year. Yeah. Now I've had that valued now one point two million pounds. Wow. So now I can now go back to the point of I can either sell it yeah. at one point two and give the owner the figure that we agreed, which I think it was five twenty, five twenty-five, something like that. Yeah. And I can walk away with six hundred grand, or I can then refinance it, get the money that I require. To pay the owner off and retain the asset. But is that something that, so say someone's listening to this or they're watching it on YouTube, they're a business owner, they've got some capital saved or they've got some excess of capital being generated each month and they want to, which I would say is always a good idea, invest in something outside of their business. Is that something only you can do because no. you walk in and you're arsh and they no, know you? No, believe or, it or not. Is this something that you can teach a business you can, you can, te- you can te- believe it or not, this is simple mathematics. It's, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm a clever guy. I think I'm just a straightforward, easygoing guy. You know, I try and keep things simple. I mean, I disagree with that, but I think being humble is, is good. Yeah, you, but you, I just, you, you I, I, to, I, what I do, I understand is what's the incoming, what's yeah, the outgoing, yeah. how does it work, what's going to be but my in return. The you're doing another thousand calculations of yeah. how do I manage the risk. Yeah. What's the upside, what's the downside? You've done all of this other yeah, yeah. stuff. Just I've, do, I've done the, yeah, exactly. Doing it. Yeah, I agree. There's lot, probably lots going on in the background, probably why I don't sleep. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in, in that respect, there's so many, Anyone can do this. And just to give you an example, I had no intention of buying two apartment blocks in Blackpool. Yeah. They were just underperforming assets. And I'll give you a little tip. You could go on to Rightmove today. You can yeah. see quite a few guest houses being sold. Yeah. Why are they being sold? Because A, they're either retiring, they're underperforming, they're, you know, they're, they're in bad shape or they're yeah. bad and they're, they're no longer of, you know, guest worthy. Yeah. You could do exactly the same. So it's exactly the same. You looking at a business that any business owners listening to this, you could look at any business and apply the same strategy to it, whether it's a retail business, whether it's a, you know, any physical business. If you can see a business that is underperforming, yeah. you can add value to it. That's kind of like what, um, I forget his first name, but there's Leila Hormozy and something hormozy <laughs> his name will come to me after the podcast but he's got acquisition.com so he creates amazing content yeah. does podcasts does loads of reels uh, but ultimately his business turns over 700 million because it is there you make a submission if your business turns over more than three million dollars i think but you're willing to let them come in and invest yeah and they're looking for underperforming businesses where they can go in and say well we'll change this 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 yeah. and this you get it running again, and then it becomes part of your portfolio that contributes to your ability to make a statement like, my business turns over 700 million, yeah. which is kind of misleading because it's businesses that you've acquired that come under your group. So it depends on- kind no, of Whereas here, at. I will, in essence, be the legal owner of the property. So yeah. they, they will be completely out of the picture, yeah. the owner. So yeah. uh, it's slightly different in, in that respect, but it- it works. It works. There's so many people that are upscaling, downscaling, and you, it, it can work in any business, believe it or not. 
And how, how, like right now, obviously, you know, we spoke about having some of your businesses running by themselves because you've put teams in there. Yeah. How have you done that? How have you been able to start a business, say the training business, say the mastermind or say the finding the opportunities and like, how have you done that? I'm a big fan of a hundred hours. I'm a big fan of tech. Uh, I'm a big fan of tech. So what I try and do, so the training, the training program. And so we've recorded, you know, it must be hundreds of hours worth of modules. Yeah. And we use platforms like Teachify, Kajabi. Yeah. And what we've done, we've created, so it's almost become like an evergreen product. Okay. So it's no You're longer reliable. adding content. We're constantly, every fortnight, adding new okay. content in there. Yeah. So when people log into it, there's new content, there's more, and it's keeping them engaged. And do they get guided through? So if they're a beginner, go here. Yeah. So li- literally, it's, uh, and they've got almost like, in any one cohort, I think there's like 52 modules and all the modules are clearly labeled. You know, if you want to look at this strategy, watch these videos. If you want yeah. to look at this strategy, watch these videos. Okay. So for that and business, it's not a case of you've actually brought in a big team. No, not you at just all. use software and instead of teaching the same thing over and over again, yeah. you're recording it. You're recording it. And if you're happy with that content and it's still relevant, and that's it. Principles we keep, apply, the right? principles still apply. All we do is we keep updating it. And then yeah. I suppose from my point of view, if you were to look at man hours as to what it takes for me a week, that takes yeah. about one hour every two weeks. Yeah. And what we tend to do is that uh, we have a live, almost call it, it's like a deal clinic every Monday in the evening between 7 and 8 p.m. Yeah. That's the only real so time. they can bring their deals this, to Where they bring their deals or if they've got an issue okay. or if they just want me to go and keep showing them that it is still possible yeah. and I'll, I'll do it for them live. Yeah. I'll find a property. I'll appraise it. Yeah. I'll have a look. So they can figure. start to learn how to do it themselves. Exactly. Because you know, with your other businesses though, so you've got the, 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 the app as well. Yeah. I guess you can have a team for that and that's largely a software platform. So it's you going in and instructing, well, I want it to have this, this, and this as updates. And then yeah. you have a team... Onshore, offshore. So, so the so the app. Uh, I've got eight members of staff. Out of those, one of them's in the UK. Okay. Other seven are in the. Uh, so we've got three in India yep. and four in the Philippines. Well, that's the same as us, kind of as a split. We've got, I think, fifteen in the Philippines and ten or so in India. Yeah. So the three in India, are the uh, app developers. Okay. Yeah, the tech mm. is that's the best place in the world, right? I don't. I've, yeah, I've I've been. Some people have mentioned other places like Croatia, and okay. so I've never really gone over there. But you know, I put it out. We had some web co- uh, tech companies in India came to us, and we gave them a bit of a test on a couple of little projects. Yeah, and they did really well. And they're doing a good job. And it, it sounds really bad because we're recording this in the UK. But um, when we asked a company in the UK to build the app. Yeah. What they initially said it was going to be six months took them nearly three years. Yeah. So, and whereas if I I've gave the same, yeah. if I gave the same uh, task to a company in England and a company in India, yeah, the company in India would turn it around in a week. Yeah, the company in England would take six weeks. Yeah. So, as much as I want to try and keep and shop local. Sometimes it just prevents us from doing yeah, that. I think now with the global market, you know, my virtual assistant is in the Philippines. She's costing me about 500 pounds a month for full-time hours. And she's incredible. And she's so grateful for the opportunity. And yeah. there's lots of progression for her. 
And so for her at her age in that location in the world, that's a good salary. Yeah, absolutely. And she can see where she can go if she performs well and all of these other things. If I wanted to hire a VA in the UK, it probably cost me two grand a month. Yeah. And the same with app developers, unfortunately, when I looked to try and find app developers to work specifically for me. Yeah. For one individual app developer in the UK at a decent spec, not even at a high spec, we're starting at 75 grand. Yeah. Now I needed three of these to start yeah. to get off the ground. So straight away, my overhead would have been 200, 225 grand yeah. before we even made a penny. Yeah. And so the app, just to be clear for everyone, if they want to download it, that helps people find these deals. So just, okay, if I was, if I was going to be really simple about it and try yeah. and explain it in 20 seconds, just imagine you're, uh, if you're looking to buy a house, you'd normally go to a place like Rightmove, Zoopla or on the market. Yeah, yeah. Now I've created a platform called Property Investor. You can download it off. You can either go to a website, which is propertyinvestorapp.co.uk or go to the app store, type in Property Investor and download it from there. And in there, all they are are property investment opportunities. So okay. if you're looking to buy a house to live yeah. in, it's not the right platform. Okay. Yeah. But if you're looking for a property investment platform yeah. where everything is laid out in front of you, so the description, what the property is. Yeah. Uh, is it tenanted? Is it non-tenanted? How much income is it producing? Yeah. Uh, a full description of what the property is. Uh, talks about the location. It talks about the cash flow. Okay. How much cash flow it so generates. It's modelled. Like if you it's fully modelled. Also, what we've done is that every it. property is almost created almost like a, a business in a box opportunity. Okay. So off the back Which of that, amazing. you can look at it. Back in the day, you just had to know someone locally that was a property investor yeah. as an entrepreneur yeah. and go and take them out for coffee, yeah. form a physical relationship, and then trust them. That's how the deals were done. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because, you know, as an app, there's still that stigma in the, oh, is this real? Is this not real? Does the <laughs> yeah. property still exist? We get these yeah. questions every day. Yeah. Is this real? You know, this seems too, too good to be true. Yeah. And you know the saying, if it's too good to be true, perhaps it but is. That's like when Uber came out, people didn't really understand it. Yeah. Deliveroo, you know, where I get my Nando's weekly from, these yep. kind of things didn't exist prior no, to that. It's out. like we've got opportunities at 30, 40% below market value. Yeah. And people looking at it thinking, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And what we're saying well, is, guys. Why are you keeping it for yourself? Exactly. But we're saying, uh, we're saying, tell you what, go and view it. You don't have yeah. to. You don't have to buy it just off a screen. Yeah, go and physically see it, and then off the back of that, you tell me you like it or you want it. Yeah, yeah. And we sell so many deals off that every month. And so now, what does your work life balance look like? Time with the kids. What does your normal routine do? Do you do the pick up? Do you do the drop off? Uh, yeah, this is I, more so, for me because I'm interested. Yeah. Right? So morning. So my wife always says to me, she goes, "Ash." Make sure you're there for them in the morning because sometimes yeah. I might have a meeting in the afternoon and I can't guarantee that I'm going to be there for the pickup. Yeah. So I always do the drop off. So I wake up, I wake the kids up. Yeah. Um, I'd love to say I go to the gym before, but that's one thing that lacks in my life is yeah. that unless I'm training for, for something, something. Yeah, because you did the marathon, didn't you? I did the marathon, did yeah. the Ironman, I did yeah. the half Ironman. Oh, I thought you meant I'm an Ironman, no, kind of I'm metaphorically. An, no, 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 done I, an I'm a, I'm, I've done a half Ironman, I've done did a full you, Ironman. Did you get the tattoo on the back of your calf? No, my wife said, no, she goes, she did that, I, she divorced me. Uh, 
So I thought, uh, I did wait up for a bit, of tattoo, divorce. Uh, no, I thought about having it everywhere. I thought about having it in places where it couldn't be found, but no. I, I, I love I, it when you walk around. We go to this Welsh village where there's an yeah, Iron Man. And they've all got the wall. Yeah. And they walk around in the yeah. summer and they've all got the they've Iron all Man got, on the calf. They've all yeah. got on the calf. And I thought Sorry, about you know it. you've done it. Yeah. So I've now got, I've got, the audience know you've done yeah, it. Yeah, so I've got, I've got the medal for it. And believe it or not, that COVID came and cancelled the first... So I had to prolong the training for another year, another okay. two years. And I thought, oh man, that broke me. So training for Ironman yeah. is no easy feat because you have to go disappearing for six hours or eight yeah, hours. Savage. Yeah. yeah, you have to you have to run, it, yeah. then you have to you have to swim, then you have to bike, then you have to I run. I remember seeing pictures of you on socials in really sort of tight. Lycra. Yeah, yeah, lycra. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, and then I just now I think mentally that kind of. I switched it off because for almost like three years, yeah, it was a case of Saturday morning, five o'clock, I'd have to go and swim in a lake. Yeah, and you probably push yourself so far that now you're going through a period of backing off physically and then you'll yeah, probably find well, something I haven't else. trained realistically for two years, properly for two years. We'll go to the gym. That can be a thing off Oh, this. my God. You come That's, with me. Oh, my, my God. My thing is like I tried CrossFit for two or three years. I really enjoyed it because it was functional. Yeah. But at heart, I'm just a vain individual. I like looking at myself in the mirror and hence I love bodybuilding. So I like to bodybuild and I have a coach for that um, who's been amazing. And then separate to the bodybuilding, I'll just try and fit in a bike ride, a swim and a run when my knee sorts itself out so that you're keeping your cardiovascular health, you know, yeah. eating good foods and he's written me a diet plan. And do you know what? At work, I find no coffee in the morning, eating on a diet plan. So I eat exactly the same thing every day, apart from the dinner that Kieran cooks, which she lets me plate up myself so I can weigh it out. It I just would love, choice. I'll, I'll be honest. I would love that. I really lack in fitness and food. You know, if someone said to me, you said, uh, you say, Osh, pizza. I'm definitely there. Burger, I'm definitely there. Uber Eats, yeah, I will skip everything and go straight to the dirty stuff. I can't, I can't deny that. Um, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to say that I'm in the best shape. I'm nowhere near the best but shape. But at the moment, it's like you said off the back of last year, you're still focusing on work, getting into a routine. I think at some point it clicks. What's the motivation? Then the motivation becomes longevity. Because right now you're not, at, you're not overweight. You're not at any kind of health risk. You're cool, right? You're not a heavy smoker or a smoker. I don't think you drink. No. It's like you're not doing any of those things. So you probably are quite healthy if you went to the doctor. Yeah. At some point, I would say you'll probably look at your kids and be like, I want to be around when they're 40. Yeah, of course. And that'll get you doing so something. If, you, if you said to me, if you challenged me and said, Osh, this weekend I need you to run half marathon. I'd do it. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. It I wouldn't know, be my fastest. It would, know, wouldn't be my fastest yeah. time. I'd definitely it's get around. Accountability, isn't it? I guess it is, the same yeah. with work. We spoke about having a mentor. I've yeah. got a mentor, Richard, who I see once a month. And because I know he's given me a list of ten or twelve things to focus on for that. You'll month, definitely do it. I might get them done two days before the next meeting, but I'll yeah. get them done. Same with training and nutrition, I guess. So yeah, I've got, I've just got to kick that into touch, but it it's it's an easy excuse for me, unfortunately, to to duck the gym or to, okay, to so you eat don't rubbish. go to the gym you do drop the kids which is yeah, a nice I, time I, to I like to, yeah yeah so in the morning physical office uh, yeah that. so in this 26 office block I've kept one for myself okay cool so but before I was working from home and I yeah. hated that yeah hated that uh, yeah see I have a small shoebox office at the front of the house I know but which I, I hate 
but I don't hate it enough. So this is our dining room, if you're not sure and you can kind of see. Luckily, this layout and the lighting, I mean, I added a couple of lights, but this was our dining room. If you could see the other side, you definitely couldn't have dinner in there taking it over. But I just can't be asked to get dressed to go to an office but for, and all of those things. But you know? I, I, you know, when I was working from home, yeah, I found I, I need routine. I need that routine. I need to be able to Separate leave the house. Yeah, I yeah. need to be able to leave the house and go to somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that's been good for me. So you but, have your own office so, there. You go and work from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll wake up. I'll do the kids' breakfast. I do the kids' breakfast, make sure that they're washed, fed, watered, get them, make sure that they're all and dressed. you've got girls, which is totally different to me. I've got an eight, an eight and a seven-year-old boys. I've got nine and eight-year-old girls. So different challenges, yeah. Yeah, so, but we've got a, we've got a routine. We've got a 3B routine, bed blinds. Uh, so brush, blinds, um, bed. So they've got to make those three, do make those three things bed. before yeah, they even come up. Yeah, a win for them in the morning. It's a good practice. Yeah, so they've got to do those three before they come downstairs. Then we do breakfast. And then, you know, make sure that all their bags are packed. The bags should be packed, hopefully, the night before. And so we're out the door, quarter past eight, without fail. And then in the car, we listen to their music. Yeah. Oh, that's we, li nice. we listen to their music. Yeah, so yeah. they have a full what on singer. So we're into Shawn Mendes at the moment. Oh, yeah, we're into, yeah. uh, I don't know, ever heard of this group called Kids Bop? No. I'll so Kids Bop is basically this group of kids that just do covers of pop songs. Oh, okay. And it's kid friendly. And so they can be listening to all kinds of stuff. That's nice. My kids are listening to Dave. Uh, oh, my Skepta. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. Stormzy. Yeah. So Professor all... X is their favorite song at the moment by Dave. It's quite explicit. Yes. But I, do you know what? I felt like I had this conversation with Kieran. They're going to hear it. Yeah. It's kind of like wine in France, I believe. Yeah. If you give kids wine at 14 on the dinner table, yeah. are there loads of alcoholic kids hanging around in parks drinking no. two litre bottles of cider in France? No. Why? Because you put wine on the table and you say, have it. Yeah, and then they'll learn to moderate their own behaviour. But I, I like that. My, I'm still trying to. If I'm honest, I'm still trying to protect their innocent innocence. If you've got girls, though, it's yeah, different, yeah. isn't so, it? So, like, boys are like, go on, get yeah. out into the world. My, my, one of my daughters is there. She goes, Dad, we can't listen to the song. I said, Why? She goes, Is it explicit? I said, What? What word is it? She goes, Damn. I said, You know what? I'm so glad you said that. I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. I thought at least something's kicking in there. So, yeah, so damn for them is a swear word. Yeah. And then my other daughter, says, she goes, Dad, I learned a new swear word today. She came with to me like that. I said, you know what? Don't ever do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't ever do it. Not at school, especially. Don't do that. So your, your cred will go straight out. <laughs> Are you doing like family dinners? Do you get together in the evening? And every evening. Together? Every yeah. evening we have to eat together. So it's just that time. And do you go back to the office after that? Or do you? No, I try, I try to switch off. So yeah, I try okay. at the latest, I have to be home by six. Yeah, so at the latest, yeah, yeah, and then relax, and then you can watch watch crap. People say that you shouldn't be watching Netflix and you should be doing less and you should be reading books. On you know what, we do two hours a night of box set. If the kids get to bed by eight, yeah, and we'll do two hours. If they're having a late night, we'll watch something together. And I think it's good because it's just a way to switch your brain off. Yeah. Almost like a form yeah, of that. Oh, I see people keep kids say, oh, you, you shouldn't be watching TV and this, that. No, I disagree. I think it's an older player. You need something to be able to switch off your thoughts. I'll, I'll tell you something that's really disturbing. And everyone thinks that this is disturbing. What's your one thing that you watch that everyone thinks, oh, they don't like it? Yeah. Um, 
as in it's mine's Romans or it's Malaysia. Mine's EastEnders. EastEnders. Really? I've been watching it from day dot and I've never missed an episode. Well, your commitment is commendable, right? Yeah, never, if I if I if I miss it, I'll catch up on BBC. I, I think Kerry thinks my uh things that I watch are body body vlogs on YouTube. Okay. So I'll I'll have probably watched about three hundred upper body workouts on YouTube, but I'll still go on the Sailmaster and instead of watching a box set or something yeah. like that, I'll just put workout video into YouTube and I'll watch it. Okay. So I think that's probably it for her. Right. And I'll just start saying so when, whenever we sit down, if I've got to, I've got to catch up on these numbers first. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, and then we'll watch. That's all right. Everyone knows. I've learned a few things off of you. So it's good to not be too cool. I've learned uh, there's lots of HMOs in EastEnders because let's face it, they all live together, don't they? Oh yeah. They all live together, but yeah, not classified as a HMO. They just bring someone in off the street and then move them in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And don't declare it. They don't, they don't declare it. Yeah, it's, there's no tax. You know, talk about tax on these. No, we have noticed. So yeah, it's crazy. How important is it? Um, start racking up. I mean, we could talk all day, but how important is it to understand your own finances and your own cash flow when you're trying to scale a property business? Oh man, yeah, because it's it's very easy just to get carried away. Carried away. And so, you know, these projects I'm doing right now, I kind of had a scare moment the other day thinking, well, in actual fact, yeah, I haven't bought these things yet. Yeah. But I've still got a financial commitment to the owner. Yeah. So I've got to pay, let's say, a couple of grand a month on each of those. So that's four. And then I've got the office building. So there, but then I have to think, what's coming in here? What's coming in there? And I have to then kind of think, okay, what's going on? What's my, well, absolutely out. You're bound to add. Do you have big spreadsheets or like, how do you keep on top of it? Well, we use, um, so with property, you can get about managing software. So it's a shell. So it's specific. Yeah. And it's like accounting's so, usually. Yeah, it's account software. So we use Sage as well. So, yeah. um, and it allows me to see what's coming, what's done as, you yeah. know, kind of understand where we are. Yeah. So I'm not a growth factor guy, which I like because I don't really want friends or close friends to be clients in an ideal world. Because I did a pipe that separation step, so I get long the friends that come to me and said, "Clearly, the property models and uh, yeah, I mean it's not worth it. You have a situation where you're having a fee discussion or you know, something hasn't been done on time, or your friend who's your client he does not get you the information. It's yeah. just not. I just don't think it's worth. I just it. I, yeah, it's, it's just, we had a lot of property clients, and 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 I think yeah, and I agree. Having property specific accounting software, having regular bookkeeping. Understanding your cash flow, but more importantly, you know you've built up a relationship with your accountant. I'm sure that's spanned over the long term. Yeah. So you built up trust. They understand you. It's a family business. They're invested in you. Yeah. And you can ring them up and have a conversation about something without them sending you a bill. You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That dialogue, I think, is super important for a business owner to have an accountant. It doesn't have to be growth factor, but have someone that will support you without charging you and understands your industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what we've got in our, so I've got some Philippine uh, bookkeepers. Keep your stuff up to date. Yeah. I agree. They keep that almost like daily. Yeah. They keep stuff up to date. And then we've just got a lady in the UK that checks, make sure that that's okay. Yeah. She pays and works on the hourly basis. So that's fine. And then it just goes to the, so she she submits all the bats and stuff like that. Yeah, so you're yeah, yeah. big enough now that you've built, like with our clients, if they get to a certain size, let's say five to 10 million turnover, 
will then help them build their own internal finance. Yeah. Or maybe they're smaller than that, but they're in a business model like yours where there's so many different properties and lots of moving parts of the yeah. paperwork from builders and all these other things. And in that scenario, you can't have a fully outsourced, fully remote. I mean, to be fair, you know, receipts. Yeah. It's wicked now because, you know, when an invoice comes in, literally, it come, if it comes on email, the VA picks it up, yeah. has it in the place. Yeah. The software scans it, yeah. takes all the information, yeah. puts it in that's what the counter system. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, that's the tech part. I mean, that kind of, you know, when it works, yeah, it works well. It's I love those account. I mean, I'm not doing the day to day now, but there's a thing now called Fetch by Dex, which if you give it, say, your mobile phone login, yeah, it will go and take your mobile phone bill. Yeah, it'll go find the bank statement line. Yeah, that relates to that mobile phone book. Relates, matches, yeah, yeah. So it does the bookkeeping for you. Mm. Okay, enough on accounting. If you were going to share three, this is my final point. If you were going to share three keys to success, first one for someone who hasn't invested in properties yet but wants to get started, what would that be? Okay, um, do it. The one reason I want to say do it is that it's very. I want to say it's hard to fail in property. It, it is quite difficult to fail in property because there's so many different trigger points. You can calculate property to the nth degree. You can say, well, you know what your outcome is going to be because that's going to be the mortgage map or the rent value page or whoever. Yeah. If you do a more strategic strategy. Uh, and then you know what your income is going to be. And then you can then also calculate lots of different scenarios. If it's not occupied for X amount of months, what's my what's my level going to be? And you can also start factoring all kinds of contingencies. Yeah. So you can build it on an absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. You can build it on a best case scenario. And you can see where you can sit in the middle. If you are starting... Just start with one. You don't have to go. You don't have to go out and build a portfolio of hundred immediately. So find a deal, find an opportunity. Yeah, I find your niche. Okay, what does that mean? Find your niche. You like find so it's intellectual thing. Okay. If you want to, do you want to be hands on? Do you want yeah. to be hands off? Yeah. What strategies do you want to be? Do you want to be the portfolio analyst? Do you want to be the developer? Yeah. Which one suits your? Because every every niche is, I believe suited to certain personalities okay uh if you're not great at dealing with people yeah. deal with tenants will drive you up the wall yeah you yes. got to understand your own personality what about someone that's maybe got one or two houses they're renting them out but they want to sort of take the next step what would you advise for them so have a look at how they're performing have a look at where they are now if you haven't got the cash to physically invest perhaps look at those two yeah I'm perhaps leveraging against those two. I'm not suggesting that you go to leverage to the hills. Yeah. But if you've got a bit of equity and it's going to allow you to use those funds safely and wisely. Yeah. And what you've learned. Create, exactly. Create a calculate. It's a clear. If, don't take the equity out and go and buy a car. Yeah. I see too many people do that. Yeah. They've built a bit of equity to go, we're going to buy a Ferrari or we're going to lease a Ferrari. Yeah. No point. Because in essence, that's very expensive finance. Yeah. Use the equity to buy another uh, cash planning asset. Yeah. Don't do it to, to buy a liability. Yeah. I mean, we like cars. It's not about flashy cars. I think if you can buy a vehicle and any asset that will keep its value or appreciate, then fine. But I'm past the point of buying a car now that I buy for 100K and in two years' time it's worth 45. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave that there. Are you looking at that from a, a cancer's point of view? Are you looking at it from uh I'm looking at it from my life's point of view. Yeah, I had a Range Rover, I bought it for 105, I sold it for 65. 18 months later, two years later, just because the market hit at that point. Luckily, I now understand 
if you've got the right contacts and you understand the right vehicles to buy and you buy at the right time. Like I bought one 911 and I had a turbo S. I bought that for 105 and sold it for 108. Yeah. So that's fine. Like it can be done. You can buy a car right around in it. It can be done. Does it not say not waste money? I've got, okay. Can I ask you some questions? That are, yeah, yeah. Because does that not take fire to some stuff? Because not everything's, a friend of mine said, oh, sh- should I buy this? And I said, is it going to make money? They said, no, it's not going to make money. I said, is it going to bring you some joy? Yeah. And they go, yes. I said, can you appreciate to lose the depreciation? Yeah. And they go, over a period of time, yes. I said, do it. Yeah. Because let's face it, go back to your point, life is also for living. Yeah. Okay. If, we look at it, if we look at it from a spreadsheet point of view, we will never buy all the stuff. That's a very good point. I didn't want these podcasts to be too overly... This is what you do yeah. to optimize your business. That, I feel like what you, it was, you know, and again, you as long as you can afford to spend that money and you can afford to lose the depreciation. Businesses will come and go. And what my wife always says to me is, don't forget to live. Yeah. Because you've only got one chance of this. Yeah. You know, businesses, you know, if that one doesn't happen, a little more profit next month. Yes. We'll take holiday, spend the money, you know, an extravagant holiday to Dubai. I mean, the kids obviously still preferred Mallorca, but yeah, I loved it. It was unbelievable. The people that we met, the restaurants we went to, the things that we did, and if I guess for some reason for holidays, I never look at X amount on holiday as a waste because it's an experience. I'll tell you the reason I had it is because I got that Porsche. It was costing me nearly two grand a month because I was taking money out, getting taxed on it as a deal end, and then paying it personally because it's an unreasonable car to have as a work car. Yeah, and then I'm thinking, well, I'm only driving it once a week to take the kids out here. It's five. It's cost me five hundred pound. Her drive. Uh, I swear, smiling at this. the rationalization. I'm right. smiling at this because I tried to come here today. My Aston Martin. Yeah, I got Aston Martin DBS. Um, um, went to the garage to start it because I'm broke for months. Battery's dead. Yeah, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? That I've got a car that I can't even drive. And then if you look at it, and then again, you've started looking at it from an accountant's point of view. Yeah, no, you're, you're calculating if I miss every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You look at it as far as but come on. And if you do it on that basis, you'll never enjoy the asset. You'll no, never, no, no. Never I think it. you have to flip it and say, okay, well, it's costing you that much, but you're paying down the capital. How much is it actually costing you? And if you looked at that portion of reality, I bought it for 105, I sold it for 108. So it probably only cost me two or three K in interest the other year, and that was worth it. So I think my mindset slightly changed because I've got two testers, as you can see. Yeah. I went in my buddy's M3 uh, performance, yeah. which I loved. And those cars are going up in value because they're V8. They're not going to make them anymore. Same thing with the last V12 Ferrari. Probably same thing with your DBS. That will start going up in value. I don't know what Ferraris. Uh, they're still making them all that. They're still making uh, uh, making them, but they're not going to make that one anymore. Yeah. But I think if you if you can garage a car anyway, <laughs> what we're saying is enjoy your life. You've got okay. to go enjoy it. We're saying enjoy your life. Yeah. But I would say you could still have a petrol head car, for example. Yeah. And be more clever about the one that you pick. Yeah. So I will say a hybrid Ferrari that's going to depreciate. Go and pick the V8. That's going to send a whole van garage hit or put a car cover on it, keep it in good condition, put a PPF cover over it so the pain won't stay. Yeah. So then you can have your fun and and, and go on experiences, have nice holidays, make money, not just to take everything out and buy the next property, but take some of it out and yeah, of course, yeah. create some experiences. Now, once you get to the grave, not saying, I wish I worked in the uh, 
of which you worked harder. Yeah. Everyone wants to go to Grevels and, you know, I had a great life. Yeah. I had a great life. I had great people around me that actually enjoyed it. So, and what does that look like for you then? Because for me, that would be fulfilling my business potential. But also, I don't think I'll ever fulfill my business potential. When I say, and I say this really randomly, because going back to my analogy, yeah. that once I've done that deal, there will be something else. Okay, then forget about fulfilling potential then. Being proud of what I've achieved in my business. I'm, I'm really proud of what I achieved at the detriment, but not at the detriment of my main priority, which is father and husband. Yeah, no, father, father and husband comes top of the priority. But for me, if I'm going to be open, my first love is my business. Yeah. My first love is my business. The fact that I bought it back from the graveyard. Yeah. The, the graveyard where they were pretty much burying my coffin. Where everyone said, you know what, Osh, you've got no chance to bring this back. For me, that's got to be the biggest accolade and the biggest achievement. Yeah. And it's, I suppose, and that's, I'll carry that in three business walls. So what's more said, Osh, no way you can do that. Yeah. I have to make it a mid to do it. It sounds like, and I had a rental dog, but I'm going to go and order it and get it because I think that it will be really inspirational for people to have that information either before, during, or after they go through something hard, which is yeah. will do, to show that this is how you dealt with it and you can come back from it and you can use it as a hostage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, since really sometimes, but really travel what and since. Yeah, and now you're living a life, you've got an amazing family, three businesses running. And to me, when you turn up this morning with a big smile on your face, it looks like you're enjoying it. Well. Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying life. I've got... Tough couple of months with what the projects, but yeah, short term, yeah, for the long term, you, you have to go through short term pain to appreciate long term happiness. Well, so that's it. Well, thank you for joining me, buddy. Thank you for we've been friends for a long time. Yeah, for you, this is going to restart a bit more of our personal friendship. And Absolutely. Well, it's kept saying that we'll go meet up for a long while. Yeah. And now we're trying not to drink, might be some sort of zero uh, percent beer. <laughs> When we've turned our, turned our days over. But yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you guys for watching and listening to episode three of Founder Stories. Is there anything you want to say before we... Uh, no, well, if anyone needs any help, you know, feel free to reach out. I've got to modify. How can people get in touch? So the best way is... Um, can I do a couple of books? Sure. So yeah. I've, I've got a podcast that I... It's called The Property Rebel. The name kind of appreciates what I do. It's you can find it on all podcast store or if you just want to go to my website which is rshilarkey.com uh, and on there we've got a contact page feel free and I'm happy to extend it so if anyone wants a, a conversation just tip uh, say that you've heard or listened to this podcast then I'll happy to give you all that like some time where we can have some one on time on the phone awesome thank you Arsh I really appreciate that so I'll put all the links in the description to this episode so you can get in touch with Arsh and for now Thanks for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode of Founder Stories. Mm -hmm.